Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Or Something. I am Kristen, and this is Carla. Hi. <laughs> and we're back, bitches. I don't know why I need to swear right <laughs> off the top. That's what's happening. <laughs> I got sassy all of a sudden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Personality shift. Uh-oh. <laughs> I can't change who I am. <laughs> There's no hope. <laughs> Even if I wanted to. <laughs> it is what it is. Could I be more sophisticated or dry or witty? No. No, that's boring. <laughs> How's it going? What's happening? What's the haps? I want to bring back that well, saying, what's the haps? <laughs> well, what? <laughs> I'm in a panic because <laughs> I have research. Did I really Did you pull a car organize it, though? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We need to put it like a time limit on for you too. We'll have a big. I'm a disaster this week. I was in the kitchen, like all week, trying to cook things that I've never really cooked before. Okay. And <laughs> I'm at this like level eight out of ten of stress for like how stressful that was <laughs> because it involved chicken schnitzel. Oh my goodness. And chicken is a freaking, like, it makes me so scared to cook. Why? And then. Huh? Why? Well, because if it's raw, it'll kill somebody. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Well, but with schnitzel, them, it's but... so thin, right? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but then. <laughs> this is me saying stuff. I'm useless, like. <laughs> oh, no. I had the same attitude where I'm like, oh, yeah, my mom has been doing this, like, you know, for countless Sundays, <laughs> and it's the, it must be easy if she does it all the time. <laughs> I swear, the sweat that I broke out into in that kitchen, I was like, I can't handle this. I almost lost it. I'm like, this is too much. And to make matters worse, when I was breading it, uh, I was watching the birds at the bird feeding station. <laughs> that might have been a problem. And oh, it was you so felt dark. really guilty. Oh, well, yeah, I it's like, know. hi, you're so cute, but I'm also breading your dad it's like ugh, your dad well whatever. <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> the sparrows have a chicken dad <laughs> and charles and darwin is your rolling week? over in his grave <laughs> look or he's like a he's breakthrough so- <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> why didn't i think of this <laughs> a breakthrough for what like <laughs> the chickens are the dads of all birds <laughs> mm. Hey, if people out there can dedicate their lives to saying that the world is flat, still, in this day and age, you can run wild with your chicken dad theory. You're right. Chicken dad. I believe in you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That I can do. I'll write this, like, 3,000-page journal with perfect sources and research and everything, but I can't get my act together for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm published. Great. Did you prepare? No. No. You just published a bunch of Google um, searches, page, like 3,000 pages of Google searches. <laughs> oh, my God. And how was your week? It was good. I've been productive publishing. What have you done? Uh, hey, I cooked this week. I cooked a turkey, turkey, turkey dinner. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go back. I like the sound of this. A turkey. <laughs> Is that a cookie? <laughs> the shape of a turkey. Ooh, that would be tasty. Right. Because the inside would be a little bit raw, so you kind of get the cookie dough a little bit. <laughs> and you wouldn't die from salmonella. Oh, my God. Ooh. But that's kind of implying that your turkey was a little bit raw on the inside. <laughs> 
I know, but it's because you're baking cookies, <laughs> not turkeys to front or something. <laughs> Okay. No, what would you stuff, use as stuffing for a cookie turkey? Uh, Marshmallow fluff. Ooh. It's been my dream. I have been dreaming. I don't like marshmallow fluff very much. I don't, I've never had it. Maybe I would do peanut butter, some kind of peanut butter. But I'm, well, it could be marshmallow rather than fluff. Mm -hmm. But um, my dream was to have a ginger, like a molasses kind of spice cookie with marshmallow filling. I'm like, I could do that. That would be pretty good. Yeah. I wonder why they call it marshmallow, like what the difference between marshmallow fluff and marshmallows is. (gasps) Episode five. (laughs) Let's just start recording (laughs) it now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I totally forgot to mention to you on last episode that on my trip with my sister, I, we went to this like really cool restaurant, like all like, like very trendy and whatever. It was really nice inside. And, uh, I got the mac and cheese there, and it was mac Ooh. and cheese with jalapenos in it and bacon. It was okay. so good. <gasps> it was just the right amount of spicy, just yeah. the right amount of like bacony. <gasps> it wasn't quite. I don't like bacon enough. usually, but that sounds you good. Don't like bacon. In, in I love general. the smell mm. of it, and I want to like it, but then it's always disappointing. Not always, most of the time. Why? Are you not cooking it properly? It's you. No, I cook it like a beast. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to cook bacon. That's crazy, really? Yeah, no. Yeah, and then I tried to do the bacon fat thing where you reserve it and you cook something in it because everybody swears by it. Nope. I did uh, Brussels sprouts with that. Mm, I mean, in theory, it should be great, but I'm like, I just, I don't know. That's crazy. But continue about this mac and cheese. Oh, the mac and cheese mm. was so good. Was it like, okay, so was it like super kind of, you know when something's creamy in the more like liquidy sense, but creamy. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of mac and cheese gets kind of like stiff, right? Like too thick. It, it was kind of Not thick. seizes, but. So it still had the nice kind of creamy. Yes. Yeah, it was very <gasps> nice and creamy. I would say the Dang. only thing that was my problem and usually it is my problem with like the fancier mac and cheeses like the restaurant mm-hmm. style ones <laughs> is um that they're not cheesy enough like they don't that have enough of a bold cheese flavor and this one did it was borderline it was pretty good <laughs> for that but i always need more cheese until you, it's a really I fine know. line between like just enough cheese and too much right because if you use cheese that's too strong in flavor Mm -hmm. right like if you try to load it with smoked cheese and parmesan and all this kind of stuff it's kind of like yeah it's so rich enjoyable Mm -hmm. it's kind of like okay i taste cheese but it's not really mac and cheese yeah but then sometimes it's just they get so heavy with the alfredo and you're like well this isn't even mac and cheese anymore yeah i would have to say like that addition of the jalapenos like i was worried it would be too spicy it was just the perfect hint of spice it was so good Oh, sounds really good. I wish I had some right now. Me too. Let's go make mac and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Screw you, podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, Maybe I should go first. Get it over with? No, wait. Who uh, went last time? I went first last time, I think. You. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Me. I meant to say you. (laughs) Words good. 
Okay. Okay. Thank goodness I'm doing my short one today because I'm very excited about it. Okay. <laughs> um, it's I was eating my yogurt, fruit on the bottom, and I hate oh, fruit on the I bottom. I love fruit on the bottom yogurt. Why I do you eat hate it? Because I enjoy it. I love it because it's stupid and it's like put my fruit on top if, and then. <laughs> Also, but that isn't an option. It's, it's either fruit. I'm gonna have to mix it, and it doesn't squirts out of the thing. And I'm like, oh, stay in my yogurt cup, and then it doesn't. It's a whole thing. To me, it feels more real than fruit mixed in yogurt, which True. is not accurate because it doesn't no. make it more real. <laughs> no, the fruit compote is probably even less real. Than I like it. Mix it. I'm good because it makes me feel good. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, Side note. Fruit on the bottom yogurt. Is that what you're actually talking about? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a relevant story. Oh my god. To my topic. I didn't know I felt so passionately about it until we just started talking about it. Oh my gosh. There isn't a lot to it, so oh we can god. just gab all we want or we can keep it nice and short. It. <laughs> Tell me everything. Okay, so I have two sources. Food and Wine did a good article about it, and then something called uh, grubstreet.com. Okay. And they're kind of like the same thing. Uh, and not the sources. They're not the same thing. I mean, they talk. Whatever. Okay. So <laughs> I'll do the kind of like little overview, and then I'll see if that other article has any. I mean, it does have other information. <laughs> We should have to see her while you read a whole article, but like in yes. your head, not out loud. Shut it. <laughs> no, everybody, you're going to listen to me reading, okay? <laughs> reading voice now. 1939. <laughs> okay. Go. <laughs> Damn it. I just pictured you in like grade seven science class or something, like having to, you know, when they meet, make you read from the textbook, it's like, what kind of time yes. are they trying to waste with that? Like, come on, teacher. And then I pass it, like, sent each after each sentence to my partner. Yeah. Now you read one. Like, this is Where? painful. <laughs> yeah. I make you read. I can't see it. <laughs> okay, anyway. Okay. Uh, so... Vice President Henry A. Wallace sends a letter to Hungarian bacteriologist Stephen A. Gamont, inviting him to the U.S. on a special visa for scientists. Okay, fancy. <laughs> Once here, just the periodic table <laughs> laminated. Gamont sets out to perfect. This is the best part. He sets out to perfect the culture that enables early yogurt producers to make a product that has the taste of sour cream, but only one sixth of the calories. <laughs> what? That like, was the goal. He, I know. Just, I'm like, like how did you get sour here? Cream in a cup? Weird. <laughs> You'd think it would be like right? sour cream, but like tastier. Yeah. So I don't know. And then, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. They don't explain any of that. I'm like, but <laughs> okay. So Americans, they were just not having it. Um, <clears throat> but then. 1942, go along, da da da. America is at war and they don't have money. They're like, whatever. Young, <laughs> my history for you. <laughs> Young yogurt entrepreneur no. <laughs> named Juan Metzger mounts a campaign to market, market yogurt as an ideal meat substitute. It doesn't work, right? People are like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but Metzger later pioneers the practice of packing fruit at the bottom of yogurt containers to offset the acidic taste. Oh. And that's how Danone 
is made and takes off. Oh my god, did not yogurt starts then? Yes, they started the whole yogurt no. thing. No. They were the starters yeah. of the yogurt thing? The whole I mean, idea of not the whole idea, but like I mean, it kind of sounds like it and then because but remember, like fruit on the bottom for sure. So Danan like I remember them only really like becoming popular I don't know what 15 years ago or something like that when they started coming out with like all those stupid annoying ads that they had Mm -hmm. and it was really like they really pushed the marketing for it I literally had never heard of them before then I thought they were new too weird and I thought that's a dumb name yeah it's a really stupid name also what's that guy's name Juan Metzger that's quite the combination of and cultures. I love that he can be a yogurt entrepreneur. It's like <laughs> I want to be a yogurt entrepreneur. Do you though? Uh, now you'd have to come well, up with I mean, a dumb if I name. I knew like how yogo. much it was gonna blow up. I would have back then. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, people are kind of over yogurt. We got now, yogurt so. money. <laughs> They're over yogurt. I've declared it. <laughs> you were just eating some yesterday, and I was gonna silence in like an hour. <laughs> I'll make a smoothie for dinner. (laughs) Okay, so after the 50s, yogurt kind of just dies off a little bit. People aren't that crazy about it. Um, But then they start, like, they're like, okay, let's make this happen. And in 1976, they start producing, like, there's yogurts in different sizes, right? But then... um, Sunday style is what they called fruit on the bottom. So that's like, um, it started picking up like popularity. Like I guess, Sunday, like as in an ice cream Sunday style? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you put... So they're trying to like market it kind of as a dessert then. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like just the rough uh, like outline of what's happening. But I, maybe there's, I mean, there are details. <laughs> 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 no, we don't want details. Okay. Here. No, look. <laughs> okay. So, uh, plain yogurt, people really didn't like it. They're like, this stinks. But apparently, um, immigrants were just like, yeah, this is great. The, um, because in Europe, right? Like, I mean, it makes sense that they were all probably using sour cream and like plain yogurt for everything. True. And like, even like cream cheese and stuff we kind of touched on before, how they. Um, like uh, started processed cheese so I don't know that sounds like they're way ahead of everybody <laughs> in the whole dairy world I'm like ooh, ooh. Um, fruit on bottom was supposed to unite Americans around what was then considered foreign to their palate oh. and yeah uh, the founder of America's leading yogurt company mm-hmm. Daniel Carasso had been making yogurt in Europe beginning in Spain and France since 1919 before oh. immigrating to the states in the 40s bringing a branch of the business with him oh so that other guy maybe the scientist was probably just bringing like just general yogurt yeah just like to um some like scientific oh, processes so daniel carasso's the guy for Danon. for Danon. i mean i feel a little here? bit bad for making Ooh. fun of his name but not still right Dan so originally known as Danone and still known that way around the world, the Bronx-based yogurt company <laughs> first opened its doors in 1942 okay. with the goal of selling only plain, unsweetened yogurt. So that was their like goal? Metzger. Okay. Well, I mean, if they're using it in Europe, they're like, people like this. 
Okay, right. That's true. Okay, the goal was And one-sixth the calories of sour cream. (laughs) (laughs) It just sounds so funny that that's how they would market something. Like, if if you heard that being marketed now, you're like, yogurt. It's a great alternative to sour cream. (laughs) You know what? what? Actually, my mom avoids sour cream a lot because she thinks it's, like, super fatty. So she won't go nuts with it. Like, on her baked potatoes or whatever, like, she just won't. She's very, very... And I'm always looking at her, like load on the sour cream it's good but she's like no no it's way too fatty and i'm like what so maybe it would work on her yeah i guess so how dare you you? should tell her that next time you should go bring (laughs) her a yogurt and be like this is better than sour cream you can feel good but it's fruit on the bottom and she kills me (laughs) here's your mango nachos uh so immigrants were loving it everyone else the americans were like go to hell and because they like sweet stuff, mm. right? And so during the company's first five years, it remained mostly a hand-produced business. That's kind of cool. Mm. And with artisans supplying just a couple hundred cups a day out of tiny little one-room shop. Those cups were then hand-delivered to local cafeterias and pharmacies in the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan. Uh, to grow sales around 1947, Carasso introduced a concept that had already been around in Europe. Oh, so it started in Europe? I mean, I knew that. <laughs> fruit compote. This became what we know as fruit on the bottom yogurt. So it started earlier. You know what? We're going to have a part two to this. <laughs> <laughs> but fruit compote just on its own is not yogurt with fruit on the bottom. Fruit compote is just the fruit part of it. Maybe he just, he was the first to combine it. He was Dan one, Dan on. He was number one, first person. You're right. <laughs> oh, he's right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's pretend we're right. Not only was adding, I no, I'm loving it. Not only was adding fruit to the bottom a sweet answer to his American palate problem, but placing, okay, this is the best part, but placing the fruit below the yogurt achieved another, perhaps less obvious goal. At the time, U.S. food safety standards for dairy production required that dairy products not be mixed with other things in it. Putting fruit on the top or blending it would have broken this requirement. By placing the fruit on the bottom and the cultured milk on top, Carasso was able to convince health authorities that it would be safe to package and eat due to the low pH base uh, on the acidity in fermented blah, blah, blah. So... No way! Yeah. (laughs) I know. Isn't that crazy? so cool. Because that's why fruit uh, can't be yeah. on top, right? Yeah, because I was always I always wondered. I'm like, well, no, I want it on top because it's easier to like mix in. You would dip your spoon in. You could just take you get a, nice a perfect bite. bite. Yeah, but apparently, you know, but it's a big debate of like, what's better? Do you mix it all up, or do you like like being able to control the amount? No, you of have to mix it. Compote. Some people. Some. Oh, uh, depends. Like if I once had one that the compote was too sweet, but it was good. Mm. But too sweet, and if I put too much, like if I mixed it all in, it was like. Eh. Well, you don't have to but mix if the I had whole mostly, thing, but you have to mostly how mix it. Could you stop my rant about <laughs> <laughs> yogurt mixing? <laughs> I never realized that we both were so passionate about this. Right. <laughs> so basically, it took off. People went wild because it was sweet and yummy, and yeah, and that's it. And then uh, well, just... until part two, when I discover what happened in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh Let this be a lesson to you, kids. Read everything, not just every second line no, in a no, panic. Every second line is fine. 
I, le- <laughs> I learned something new, so that's I got what I came for. Right? That was that's so cool. I love that it's fruit on the bottom. Like there's a reason for that. And I can't yeah. believe that Danone is like or Danone is so <laughs> Danone <laughs> is so old. That it's like the I know. OG yogurt people. That's yeah. crazy. I'm still having to find out who Juan Metzger is. That what's that called? Well, he was just Not a scientist hack, guy or something, wasn't he? No, he was a yogurt no, entrepreneur. A... Right? Damn it. I know. Well, this is I'm sure there were more people doing it and that it like but only some succeed, right? Yeah. It's the world of big business, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yogurt business. Yogurt business. That was pause awesome. Or talk. Well, don't pause, but talk. I need to grab a Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening? Why are you giving me these specific instructions? <laughs> don't tell me what to do. I'll pause and I'll talk. Sorry. Oh. Usually I'm more prepared. I have my Kleenex box and everything. <laughs> How that's dare it. you not be yeah, prepared? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> that was I'm awesome. I loved it. Yeah, your turn. Okay. So this week, um, I don't know why this idea popped into my head, but I think I'm I'm kind of like, since we've been doing this podcast, I mean, the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was because I noticed certain things and I was really curious about them, but I never, I was like, oh, that would be cool to know about the origins of something. But now that we've actually got this podcast, I'm, it's crazy, like, in every situation that I'm in, something will just pop into my head, or somebody will say a word, and I'm like, ooh, I bet that that's got a good story, or, like, I want to find out yeah. the origin of it, or, like, it's actually made me way more curious than I was before, and it actually makes me um, see see it through, in a way, like, look stuff up yeah. and be like, no way, like, fruit on the bottom, that's crazy. <laughs> my mind is blown right now. No, I know, in the past, I would just, like, I would you know, yes, stuff would come up and I'd be like, oh, I wonder when that started, but I would never follow through. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, like, it ended with me just being like, oh, that would be cool and not actually, like, <laughs> like I wish, it would be that neat would to be know cool. that. It's like, well, you know you yeah. can know that. You can just learn it on your own. <laughs> no, I need, <laughs> I need an outside reason to do you something. can know that. <laughs> okay, so this, I think I was just watching, like, a TV show or something. Um, and it just popped into my head and I was like, wow, I wonder why we call it that. So today I'm talking about the origin of kindergarten. Because I was like, I knew that it's a German word, but I was like, why yeah. in America do we keep the German word? Like, why is that the only Dang. thing? Because there have been all kinds of things that have come to North America that we don't keep the the like original language for it. But this is the original yeah. language, but that most people probably don't know, like people that don't know other languages or have ties <laughs> to Europe or whatever, wouldn't necessarily automatically think, oh, that's a German, German in yeah. origin, right? Can I just say, I love that we're like such geeks for knowledge, because I'm like really, really excited to hear about this. <laughs> like, I'm just at the edge, like, I'm like practically hyperventilating. I'm like, calm down, you geek. Like, holy. Anyway. This is your fruit on the bottom yogurt. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so my sources for this were um, Smithsonian Magazine. I almost didn't say that properly. And then there was a journal <laughs> written by Angela Sancho Passe called Kindergarten in the 21st Century. 
So those are my main two sources that I got all this stuff from. Um, So the word kindergarten literally means garden of children in German. And it's kind of now used as a metaphor for children growing like flowers, nurtured by a positive (laughs) environment and an attentive gardener. Which I thought was Garden of children. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh. I mean, they're little psychos, but it's still cute. (laughs) The first kindergarten in the world was opened in Blankenburg, Germany by Friedrich Froebel. Froebel and his followers. Are you sure it wasn't Juan Metzger? (laughs) (laughs) It might be. He's a yogurt entrepreneur and a kindergarten teacher. (laughs) There's not much money in yogurt entrepreneur. And there isn't like kindergarten. Yeah. I love it. There's no money anywhere. <laughs> Definitely not in education. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Froebel and his followers believed that children should be in school from a young age. At the time, it was not usual to educate young children. The common belief at this time was that children were little creatures who needed stern handling to become good adults. So they were almost seen as like kind of a nuisance and kind of like... Like, they were seen kind of in this negative way that, like, it, they just had to be really stern with them and to make sure that they grew up properly. Right. Play was seen as a waste of time and proof that children should be tamed so that they could be more productive. <laughs> Frobel, Frobel, how am I saying his name? Frobel? believed that children were inherently good-natured and that they should be encouraged to learn about the world around them through creative, imaginative, and spontaneous play. And then he also did this thing where he really encouraged them learning in a circle. So it's like the the kindergarten circle kind of thing. And there were specific reasons for that where he's like, oh, it helps you like see and learn from each other. And it's the community thing. Like it was this whole thing. And I'm like, did kids never sit in a circle before then like and do stuff because it was it popped up in everything that I saw about it that he kind of started this whole like kids learning in a circle thing I'm like did did that never happen because that always happened now but maybe that's they'd have to have like eyes front right yeah in their little desks yeah and that's it yeah but crazy that like Like, I remember being in kindergarten and sitting in a circle and yeah doing stuff yeah yeah but you would never actually think that that would have an origin that that would need to be something that was invented or done first and became a trend but it actually makes a a lot of sense right isn't that crazy wow (laughs) so he had unless kindergarten age children just naturally go into a circle (laughs) (laughs) let's do an experiment let's get a bunch of little kids okay and let them wander about and see where they land yeah who are you quiet we're doing science (laughs) this is science happening (laughs) Um, So he had a whole theory about how play should be shaped and encouraged. The day was supposed to start with songs and then continue with play with a series of toys. Like they had, he had a very specific kind of set thing of how it should go. The lessons were designed for children aged three to six who weren't yet ready for traditional schoolwork. (laughs) Sorry. I imagine one kid like playing the flute out of turn and he's smacked really hard by this Froebel guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> get back in the circle. <laughs> <laughs> like, he sounds so sweet. And like, yeah. And then suddenly it's like this really rigid thing of like, no, we're going to play ball now. Yeah, that might just be the way that I'm. But I think it, the, the point is more not that he was strict about it, but that he ha- he was very intentional about Right. Yeah. <laughs> now he wanted them to be learning. I think I took a bit of, of a strict spin on that. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I'd be the one smacking oh the gosh. kids around. <laughs> um, okay. So, because the children were so young, he thought that women should be the ones to teach him, to teach them, arguing that early education was an extension of mothering. He believed that women had the best sensitivity and qualities to work with young children in developing their emotional skills. And consequently, he ended up opening a training school just for women to train them to teach kindergarten, basically. Hmm. Sorry, what year was this again? This was... Roughly? Did I not say what it was? I think it was 1837, I want to say. What? Yeah. Whoa, I kept thinking 19-something, and it's like... I know, right? Crazy, hey? Yeah. So, 1837. So, at the time, his ideas were so new that the Prussian government closed all kindergartens in 1851, fearing a socialist revolutionary movement. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Really? So, he opened up... It is 1837. I don't know why I didn't write it it down, but it was everywhere. Um... (laughs) <laughs> so he was open for what, like, fourteen years. Had kindergartens opened, was training people and whatever. Yeah. And then the government was like, "No, this is too, like, too much. We don't want a revolution on our hands." So despite that, <laughs> the concept had spread really quickly through the rest of the world. By the end of the nineteenth century, many countries had opened up kindergartens for middle class children. Really? Yeah. So even though they were closed in Germany at that time, they still, like, the idea just spread. Yeah. Between 1900 and the start of World War One, England and France had started to establish free kindergartens for poor children. And then kindergartens reopened in Germany at the end of the 19th century. So I think they were closed for, like, probably, like, 40 years or something like that. They didn't have an exact wow. date of when they were reopened. Right. Or they somebody did, and I didn't look for it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's how we roll here. Yep. <laughs> the first American kindergarten was opened by Margaret Schurz in 1856 in Watertown, Wisconsin, for her immigrant German community. And it was hmm. a German language, it was only in German, and it was basically oh. just for the German kids there. Well, that's good. (laughs) If it was for the English kids, that would (laughs) be... What is happening? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This kindergarten caught the attention of Elizabeth Peabody, who started the first American English language kindergarten in Boston in 1860. Wow. Yeah. In large cities, charities began to fund private kindergartens to care for the three to six-year-old kids of immigrant factory workers. What? Isn't that crazy? Probably because they were working such long hours or something. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so they kind so of said, like, so the kids were becoming, like, educated. They were happy, healthy. Like, it was, like, they're, the kids of these factory workers were actually, like, doing well. Thriving. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> maybe not thriving. <laughs> 
1873, St. Louis, Missouri became the first school district to have a public kindergarten. So 1873, a public kindergarten. Okay. By 1914, the beginning of World War I, all the major American urban school systems had publicly funded kindergartens that were open for five-year-olds. So by that point, I don't know when exactly the transition happened, but by that point, it was only for five-year-olds. It was kind of limited to that year before they started actual school. Yeah. So actual school started like anywhere in the age range. Legally, they had to have their child in school between the ages of six and eight. Right. So kindergarten kind of became that thing that they did. It wasn't play school. It wasn't preschool. It was like Mm -hmm. usually attached to the school or whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't just like free daycare. It was like. Yeah. Structured. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting. Became more the intention of like leading them into like the proper school and stuff. I know right. that's kind of what it's seen as now, where it's like, okay. Sorry, structured play, I meant to say, not structured play. Mm. But yeah, that's so cool. Um, so Mississippi was the last state to open a public kindergarten. And guess what year they opened it in? Oh, this is going to be scandalous. 1965. <laughs> nope. Oh. 1986. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> crazy (laughs) they had all these dates and I was like that's one that I absolutely have to keep in (laughs) because I was like 86 what are you doing (gasps) I mean that's the public kindergarten so who knows they I could have gone to kindergarten in Mississippi and it'd be like brand new they wouldn't Mm -hmm. even know (gasps) (laughs) that is wild but they had wait but they had um I assume the private one. Yeah, right? I think they had other versions of it. It was just the, Maybe the actual public kindergarten. Right. Maybe they were really poor? Question mark? I don't know. But like, they maybe they didn't have the funds to, because... Right, like, yeah. Public school. <laughs> but like, but, 86, that's insane. That's crazy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so generally, the goal of kindergartens was to develop the overall cognitive and social-emotional skills, rather than learning to read and write and the invention of kindergartens or the beginning of them and the like the trend of them moving across everywhere is largely considered to be um the beginning of considering the whole child rather than just seeing children as like just these things that eventually like focusing on the adult so much because childhood wasn't really seen as its own thing it was just seen as like these kids are around and you put them to work or you put them to whatever good use like you you have to do something with you know you try to teach them stuff until probably they're like 10 and then they go fucking work in the mines sorry for my language go work in the mines or go work wherever right like yeah so this was kind of seen like they're acknowledging that children at a young age were actually learning and able to that they're social emotional skills needed to be developed at different stages and that like it was like the whole child not just learn to read and write and then go to work and do this and do that it was teaching them as a whole so that was kind of the beginning of it shift yeah wow and now kindergarten is just normal like that's yeah what you do and they never tried to call it anything else then no that's no, it just seems well, like I guess, that Yeah, word I guess the was... woman who really pioneered it, right? She would, because she had the <clears throat> German 
Right. Because when I came over to North America, it was the German thing. Yeah. But then the English, like when um, Elizabeth Peabody kind of opened the first one in English, she didn't change the name of it. It just stayed as kindergarten. That's so cool. Because they have different names for other stuff, like preschool or play school or whatever, but not none of those are the same as kindergarten. Peabody as in like Peabody Peabody? Yeah, I think the so. The famous name? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe she was charmed by how cute it was, like we were. And maybe. She was like, oh, how quaint. Kindergarten. Yeah. I want to grow yeah. children here. That's and what it's she sounded like. Say, Bo- and, but it with a Boston accent. <laughs> I dare you to do it. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> nope. I would like to not be killed. Thank you. <laughs> Can I just say, this all made me think of the ridiculous story that my dad told me when he was little. I think around <laughs> six or seven, like, was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were called into the fields by the hunters in there. They were in Poland, and they were going to go hunt a, a wild boar. Okay. And... They brought the kids out, and <laughs> the kid's job was to flush the boar out. And then when they heard, started hearing the kids, when they heard the shots being fired, they had to duck. <laughs> what? I laughed for about seven days after that. I'm like, what did you just oh, tell me? Because <laughs> my first thing was like, okay, then what do they do when they start shooting at the boar? These kids are just standing there. No, yeah, they're just ducked in. Oh, they're in the shrubs. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's kindergarten in Poland. It's fine. It's different and in yeah. every culture. Yeah, no, kin- no, no, no kindergarten. Come on. No, they just go hunt for wild boar oh and have to gosh. duck. And I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever, ever heard. That is Although, awesome. <gasps> I forgot to mention something and I have to mention it uh-huh. because if this doesn't end up on the podcast like it has to um i remembered just a couple days ago <clears throat> the t-shirt that you wore that i saw in your photo album the hand-me-down t-shirt from <laughs> oh my gosh michelle. The, my name is michelle <laughs> yes my <laughs> we name were just is just talking about that the other day <laughs> that is my favorite i think one of my all-time favorite things so i was looking at photo albums i was at your house and then I saw you in a t-shirt and said, my name is Michelle. And <laughs> Which is my older sister's name, by the way. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, what are you wearing? So the whole story behind that, though, is that as I'm the third born. Like, I'm the baby of the family. And I've <laughs> always complained about how I have hardly any baby pictures of me. <laughs> so it's always been, like, this thorn in my side where I'm like, oh, because yeah. I'm the one that, like, loves, I like, I love pictures and I love looking at the history of our family and yeah. like where I came from and all this stuff so I've always been obsessed with seeing old pictures and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and so there were almost no baby pictures of me I mean there's some but my sister has an entire album just from like one day of her as a baby where my dad just went nuts and had this big photo shoot with her like she has so many baby pictures because she was the first born my brother has so many baby pictures. Well, he doesn't have as many as my sister, but still. I mean, he's the first boy. They're pretty close in age. It's, it was a time. Yeah. Um, and then I came a long way later, and nobody cared. Uh, <laughs> 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 but so we um, got these slides. My dad used to put, because back in the, what, 70s and 80s, he was obsessed with putting, um, instead of getting <laughs> pictures developed, he would get them made into slides. 
and then we'd have the slide projector and like sit and watch all of our slide like our pictures it was actually pretty fun um so we got his old slides and we were going through and i actually found a whole bunch of pictures of me when i was little most of them were of me (laughs) hugging puppies and kittens really hard (laughs) almost every single one i I can attest (laughs) really hard where i was actually worried about the welfare of these animals and i thought oh i love them so much (laughs) maybe a bit too much but so um yeah and then this picture came up oh because we were talking about like I was you know being all like oh poor me poor me so hard done by that I'm the youngest I all I got were hand-me-downs like all this stuff so as we're talking about hand-me-downs we click to the next picture and I was like what is that what does my t-shirt say I'm standing there like just my diaper with a t-shirt on I'm like playing whatever on the farm whatever it's cute and I'm like, wait a second, what does that say? Hi, my name is. And then I'm like, does that say Michelle? And so my whole family, my mom was there. My sister was there. I'm like, mom, what were you doing? Like, you were taking hand-me-downs to a new extreme. Like, of all the shirts, you you can put me in anything else, but you put me in that. Like, I'm just walking around saying, hi, my name is Michelle, and that is oh not my, my name at all. Oh, my gosh. We were laughing so I... hard love that yeah we were joking about it just this weekend we joke about it lots now because i bring it up (laughs) well it's so classic like really it's just rubbing salt in the (laughs) wound (laughs) and it's so sad because like you think with photos especially like you know as time moves on technology it's like easier to take photos and right yeah like you'd think there would be more of you because oh hey you know no not digital cameras but like film and everything <laughs> no but because just... by that point it's not a novelty right like i wasn't even my own person i was but you a think little the technology See, but it has nothing to do with the technology it has to do for my with dad the intention my dad he was re- always into tech mm. same with my mom and so for him it was totally tech driven so there are lots of pictures and home videos and everything because of the but if you oh, look, because you're the youngest camera. too, like mm-hmm. if you compared what photos, well, I guess you have a different situation though, because your parents left Poland when your sisters were really little. Did, they had, were they able to take their pictures, pictures with them? Of all of us. Oh, okay. Um, no, they actually uh, lost a lot of them and I think my aunt has most of them and she won't give it to my mom. Well, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know, insulting. Whatever, that's a you whole You go into story, her house but, with a bunch of framed um, pictures, like baby pictures of your sisters. <laughs> this is yeah. awkward. <laughs> that's a little weird. Yeah. Um, like, obviously there wasn't like some huge abundance because like in Poland, what are they doing? But mm. still there was a surprising amount of photos yeah. of them. And then as we grew up here, uh, the home videos and the pictures just didn't stop. Yeah. Like, they're still obsessed with it. Even they chase us with their, actually now, even though like, you know, we have like the, it's so much easier with like your phone mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. It feels like there's less, um, cause you don't look at the pho- family photos mm. in general. Right. Even I take less family photos. I think it's because you, it's that thing of like, oh, it's so readily accessible. Of course, someone's going to take a picture. Oh, we have so many pictures or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's the same here. Like my intention was this weekend because we had Thanksgiving here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And my mom and my sister were in town and Kayla and Brennan came out. Like we had everybody together. 
yeah. which was really nice and made a big dinner and I didn't take a single picture of any of it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should have taken like commemorated this somehow, like taken a picture. And I feel like back right? in the day, you're like, oh, yeah, all line up. let's all yeah, let's all sit yeah. on the couch together and we'll take a picture. Like you make more <laughs> a point of it, but now because it's so easy and everybody has the ability to be taking pictures yeah. at all times, you just assume or you don't think about it. You're like, well, I don't want too many pictures. And for me, it's more like cuteness factor in a way. Like I will take pictures of my nephew and Phoebe, mm. my dog, and that's it. Yeah. No one else makes the well, cut. and birds and flowers. Basically, anything other than my family, <laughs> <laughs> except for Flynn. <laughs> Food. No, but yeah, no, but I'm thinking of parents specifically. Um. They probably still take lots of pictures, right? I don't know. I'm not a parent. I don't know. I'm taking tons of pictures of my nephew. I know his dad takes lots of pictures of him. Yeah. I mean... So maybe he hasn't changed. Maybe we're maybe just... Maybe it hasn't changed. We just don't have kids, so we don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird, just... though, that somebody would, back in the day when it was like, you had to, like, buy film and get it developed and do all that stuff. But your dad was into photography. He was into photography. Which is why it always hurt a little bit that there weren't that many pictures of me. <laughs> and all of my pictures yeah. are so, like, every single one. Except for that one that has, I hi, my name is Michelle. Actually, mm-hmm. even in that one, there might have been a cat or a dog. I don't know. <laughs> in almost every single picture, it's because I'm, like, hugging a little kitten or a Aww. puppy. Or I'm going after one. Like, there's a whole series of pictures of me, like, going up, like to this like cat on the steps of our farmhouse it's so cute and you just see me oh I gosh. almost have an evil look on my face where I'm like I'm coming for you cat like I just wanted to <laughs> snuggle it so much <laughs> oh man oh the good old days mm-hmm. <laughs> the good old days you're like sharing trauma here no it was all good and you're gonna go explode somewhere i'm gonna go cry i'm gonna go put on a shirt that says hi my name is michelle on it (laughs) well i'm definitely not gonna go i'm gonna go laugh and laugh you're gonna go to kindergarten you need to go eat some damn yogurt with fruit on the bottom fine i do have some fruit on the bottom yogurt in the fridge Mm. i'm going to go eat fruit on the bottom yogurt and giggle i'm gonna go eat plain yogurt and I because I just roasted some apples on the stove mm. with some cinnamon on them I made my you're own you're gonna fruit. make your own fruit on you the <laughs> <laughs> go to hell <laughs> uh, all right good times goodbye okay <laughs> bye guys talk to you next week bye bye